Thank you for listening to the Christ the King Church podcast. We exist to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all of life. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctksensi.com. Good morning. Okay. Wait, are you cold? Seems a little warm to me in here. So you've got your coat on. I actually have to shed all that here because I'm kind of warm up here. But it's very cold outside. I mean, fall is here. Winter is on its way. That's the bad news. The good news is we get to talk about prayer. We get to talk about the Gospel of Luke. And so we are doing a series through the Gospel of Luke. And we are at the Lord's Prayer in this particular section of the book. And so as we've been doing over the last few weeks, this is the final one of this particular uh, habit where we will pray at the last 10 minutes of the sermon time. So I'll preach a little bit shorter, and then at the end, we'll break up into groups where we are, just turn our chairs around, and we'll break up into groups. And the way we've done over the last few weeks is use the prayer guide that is in the seat in front of you, and those are breaking up into, broken up into um, praying together in groups, which you're able to do that, and there's prompts for you. Uh, praying as individuals, if you don't want to join a group, but rather pray silently to yourself. And for non-believers, um, if that's you, if you're not a Christian or if you're not sure, um, then that section is something that you can meditate on um, while we're praying together. Nobody's required to pray out loud, um, so um, that this is just a time for us to fellowship in prayer together. And um, as we begin, let's uh, one last time stand together and recite the Lord's Prayer together as we dig in. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's recap quickly the five petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Um, we've done these each of these five weeks. Each of these five petitions that we've just read in the Lord's Prayer are like buckets that contain, um, you can fill those out with your own prayers. So those buckets are like themes, and you can pray each of those themes. So the first one is, Father, hallowed be your name. That is, who we're talking to. We're talking to God who is our Father and God who is holy and hallowed and glorious and good. Second petition is your kingdom come. This is where we pray for the earth to become more Christian, for the influence of the gospel to spread around the globe and for people to become disciples and be taught to obey uh, all the commandments of God. The third petition, give us each day our daily bread. This is a prayer for the basic necessities of life a prayer for God to provide for all of our needs. Number four, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. These are the needs of personal forgiveness, where we're reconciled to God. We're forgiven uh, by God uh, for all of our sins, and a prayer for us to forgive one another of all the ways that we've sinned against each other and all the ways we've been sinned against. And the final petition is today. Lead us not into temptation. This is a prayer for victory over sin, against demonic forces, for spiritual warfare, all of these things. 
And so Jesus, whenever the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. These are the things where Jesus said, when you pray, say these things. These are the things that were specifically commanded by Jesus to pray about. All of these five things. And he teaches us these things as rhythms of prayer, where it's a training ground for a lifestyle of constant prayer. So now, the final one, lead us not into temptation. Now, Matthew's version also includes, but deliver us from evil. So I'll include both, but we'll start here with the first one, lead us not into temptation. Some have found this particular petition a bit confusing because it sounds like, well, maybe God would lead us into temptation. We're asking him not to, right? The word temptation can be taken a couple of different ways. So one way that you can take the word temptation is a, a desire to sin. So it's something within you where you want to do something sinful. You want to do something wrong. So you could be tempted to lie or to steal or to commit sexual immorality or to whatever the sin would be. That's one thing where it's within you. So James chapter 1, 13 and 14 addresses this. James says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So that's one way. We could be, we're tempted by the fact that we might desire something sinful. Now the other way, the second way, is to try to make somebody sin. Or somebody trying to make you sin. So they are tempting you and you are the recipient of their temptation, but it's not necessarily indicative of any desire that's within you. So um, this, this could be, this happened to Jesus all the time. So the, the most obvious example is in Matthew 4 where Jesus was tempted by Satan. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus desired sin when Satan tempted him, but it does mean that Satan was the active agent trying to entice Jesus to sin, but Jesus never fell into sin because he has no desire for sin. So um, Matthew chapter 4 says, Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now in that encounter, Satan was the tempter and Jesus was the tempted. Satan deliberately tried to entice Jesus to sin and disobey God. There's other examples where in other encounters, people were tempting Jesus um, by trying to trap him or they were they're trying to get him to uh they're trying to test him in some way trying to catch him in his words trying to find some way to trick jesus so an example of this is matthew 16 verse 1 which says the pharisees and the sadducees came and to test him that's the same greek word as temptation here testing and temptation the same greek word in this text and to test him they asked him to show them a sign from heaven so jesus was being tempted or tested by the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. And this is this, the second kind of temptation is the kind that the author of Hebrews has in mind when he wrote about Jesus being tempted. So you probably uh, may have heard this text before. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. How was Jesus tempted? He was tempted by Satan. He was tempted by Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was tempted in every way. But at no point did Jesus desire to sin because the desire to sin is itself a sin. 
And Jesus never desired sin. Jesus never wanted, not for a single millisecond, to lie or to steal or to commit sexual immorality or any of these things. Jesus never desired sin, and yet he was tempted in the fact that people tried to get him to sin, but he never did. So Jesus was tempted in the sense that the devil tempted him and people tempted him, but he didn't desire it. So these two kinds that we have here, the first kind happens inside of you. It's like it's your desire. You're, you're, you're tempted by the fact that you want something that God would not want you to have. And you're tempted and you might act on that desire. The second kind of temptation is what happens outside of you. It's, it's an external thing. And the temptation is not necessarily correlating to your desire, but somebody is trying to get you to sin by getting you to desire something. And the difference between the two is where does the temptation come from and whether or not it's successful. So those are the first two. So this being the case then, what does it mean when Jesus tells us to pray for God to not lead us into temptation? God does not sin. God would not want to lead us into sin. God would not want to tempt us to sin in any way. So what does it mean that God would say for us to not be led into temptation? James chapter 1, we read this a moment ago. God does not tempt us with evil. God cannot be tempted with evil. Evil comes from our own desires. So it kind of sounds like Jesus is saying, pray that something won't happen that would never happen anyway, right? Pray that, that, that the impossible would not happen. You know, it's like, Lord, please don't let me, you know, fly around like Superman. Well, it's like, that's a silly prayer. It doesn't make any sense. So what is Jesus telling us to pray about? ESV Study Bible, they have a note on this verse in Matthew, and I like the way they summarize it. This is the way that note says. It says, allow us, here's like the, a summary of that prayer. Allow us, Lord, to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt us to sin. Allow us to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt us to sin. This is because the word temptation has actually a third way that it could be taken. And this third way, the word temptation can be used, is the sense of being tested. Being tested. And God does do this. God does test us. He'll test our faith. And the purpose of testing us is to teach us, to, to grow our faith, to prove our faith. And that's what Jesus is telling us, to pray that God would not lead us into these times of testing. Now, that doesn't mean that it would never happen, but that those times would be rare. So think of it this way. Uh, picture yourself back in high school. If you're in high school now, just go with me on this. But picture yourself back in high school. For me, I'm picturing a star athlete, uh, top of my class, uh, very popular, loved by everyone, good looking. Um, all the girls liked me, and all of that is not true. <laughs> I was a bit of a loser in high school, uh, and uh, it's only gotten worse since then. But um, <laughs> indulge me this little fantasy for a moment. We're picturing ourselves in high school, and your science teacher tells you You'll be tested at the end of the semester. So now you know, okay, there's a test coming. Well, what's the purpose of the test? Well, every teacher knows that testing is an important part of the learning process. It, 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 it's hard, it's difficult for the student, but it is good. And so it, the teacher benefits from the test because the teacher is able to ascertain whether or not you've learned the material. But the student benefits also. It's not merely for the teacher's benefit so they could give you a grade. But the student benefits from the test. Because when you know that a test is coming, then you'll prepare for it. You'll study. And the process of studying for a test helps you to internalize the material. 
Now, even if you're a great student, you don't like taking tests. I mean, some of you might be weird and you enjoy tests, but most of us normal people don't like taking tests. So if, if, you're, if you're a student and, you know, you're a great student, still, taking tests is not fun. It's, I mean, it's, it can be stressful. There's a lot of work. Now, if you, but if you've done the work and you show up at the test and you're prepared for the test, then you're going to get an A or a good grade. And when you get the A, that will encourage you because you're now getting an affirmation, I know this material. And that affirmation, that, that encourages you, even though the test itself might have been unpleasant having to prepare for it. If you're unprepared for the test, then you'll get an F or some other bad grade. And so you'll deal with the pain of being unprepared, the pain of failing the test, and the pain of having your lack of knowledge or experience or skill being exposed. So in this illustration, God is the teacher. God is the good teacher. We are the students. What are the tests? The tests that we take in the Christian life are times of trial, times of difficulty, times of suffering or pain. Those are the tests. And even though these tests are necessary for the good teacher to teach us, even though these tests are good, we would rather avoid them because they're painful. We don't like them. So times of testing, these tests, they expose something in us. That's what tests do. Whenever you take a test, the teacher is exposing something. And they're exposing, do you know the material or not? Are you prepared or not? And in the Christian life, tests expose things. It exposes, what are we made of spiritually? It exposes, are we prepared? It exposes our vulnerabilities. It shows either where we're strong or where we're weak. And it can highlight our deficiencies. Now, in the experience of the test, you might, in the seeing of your deficiencies, your vulnerabilities, you might, you might realize, hey, this is an area I need to address in my life, and you can grow. And that's how the good teacher uses it. And so they're necessary. Now, these times of testing, there were also opportunities for Satan to tempt us to sin because we're in a moment of weakness. And so simultaneously, you could have God doing something, allowing something to be brought into your life, and what he intends is a good purpose. He's doing something good. But what Satan's design is, is to use that exact same circumstance to make something bad happen in your life, to, to tempt you to sin, to lead you astray. This is what we're praying about. When we come into times of temptation, which is in this context times of testing when we come into times of testing we're asking jesus to not allow these bad circumstances to lead us into sin but rather that we will be strengthened and that we will uh, be delivered from evil and so that's what we pray it, it's okay to be to ask god to be spared from trials we can pray that lord spare me from trials Please, like, don't, don't lead me into times of suffering that might tempt me to sin. It's okay to pray that. Spare me from circumstances that, that might cause me uh, to, to, to become distant. Nevertheless, God being the good teacher will allow these things to happen in our lives sometimes. And those are good things. And so whenever times of testing do come, we can pray, Okay, Lord, I'm in this test. I'm in this trial. Deliver me from evil. I could be taken one of two ways. It could be deliver me from the evil one, deliver me from Satan, and that's true. It could also mean deliver me from evil within me. 
either one is either, either one applies just as well as the other although the scholars say that evil one uh, deliver us from satan is probably the more accurate reading but either one um, is, is is applicable here lead us not into temptation we're going to jump over to matthew's version and this is the second part of that same petition which is deliver us from evil deliver us from evil I want to say two things about this. The first one is Satan is the tempter. Satan is the tempter. We know this all throughout scripture, that Satan hates us. And by Satan, I mean Satan and all his minions and the demons and all the evil powers that are at work in the world. I'll use Satan as just sort of a catch-all for that. Satan is the tempter. He hates us. And he will exploit the test that God allows us to go through for his advantage, to, to destroy, deceive, discredit, distract you. That's what Satan's design is whenever we go through trials. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that someone is you. If you aren't ready for the test. If you allow it to happen. We can see Satan's design whenever he came to Jesus in the wilderness. And Satan tempted him for 40 days. Satan tempted Jesus with hunger, with ambition. I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Satan tempted him to doubt God's goodness, doubt God's protection, doubt God's provision. Satan tempted him in all of these ways. While Jesus was in a, a moment of incredible vulnerability because he had been fasting for 40 days. Whenever you go through trials... You will face the same temptations. What we see Jesus going through when Satan tempted him, you will face the same temptations. Because you are vulnerable. The trial itself weakens you in the flesh in such a way that Satan has an opportunity. He has an open door. Satan may tempt you with lies about God, to plant the thoughts in your God. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. God has abandoned you. Satan may tempt you with lies about yourself. You're worthless. You're a piece of trash. You screw everything up. Satan may tempt you with irrational fears. It's hopeless. I'll never make it through this. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. All is lost. Satan may tempt you with people that are close to you. We see this in Job's wife, this horrible example where Job is just in his misery. And his wife says, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. What a miserable woman that must have been to live with. But she was test tempting him. Satan was an agent, like speaking through her mouth to, to do harm. It's a test. And whenever you go through a test, how will your faith hold up? That's the test. Will you act with integrity? Will you pray? Will you listen to the Spirit? Will you lean on God's Word? In Job's case, he passed the test. And that's went through one of the most incredible trials that a human being could endure. And all through that, he did not curse God. And all of that, he did not sin against God. He kept his integrity. 
He responded with faith and courage and hope. He trusted the Lord, and that trial helped him to grow stronger. As we see at the end of the book, like just incredible blessings were poured out on him as God blessed him uh, as he came through that trial. Job 2.10, this was Job's response to his wife. He said, shall we receive good from God and not evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And so God may allow trials in our lives for our good, but Satan is always right there. Using that same trial for our harm. So just to kind of summarize this in a nutshell, the times of trial and suffering in your life are simultaneously great opportunities for growth and great opportunities for sin. Trials in your life, whenever there's a trial, if you can see it, if you can identify it, I'm in a trial right now, remember, this is a great opportunity for growth in my life, and this is also a great opportunity for sin. So that's the first thing. Satan is the tempter. Here's a second point on this. God is a good teacher. God is a good teacher. So your God is a father. We prayed this earlier, um, four, five, uh, four weeks ago. Father, hallowed be your name. He is a good father, and he is a good teacher. Your father loves you. And your father loves you, and he allows trials even to refine your faith, to grow you, to strengthen you, to draw you nearer to him, to help you to see him, worship him, be more faithful to him, to help you lean on his strength more. And so that's why we see this testimony throughout scripture in a, very, in a number of places. James 1, 2, here's one, where James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Joy when you meet trials. That's a, that's a paradox, isn't it? So when we do meet trials, count it all joy. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith, there's our word, that's the same word for temptation. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. God has a good design in the trials that he allows to enter our lives. It produces steadfastness. And James goes on, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, perfect not in the sense of without sin, but perfect in the sense that you are, you are fulfilling your design, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Every trial you go through is also a test of your faith. When you go through a trial, James says here, it is a test. It is, you, if, if it happens, then you can know that God has allowed it and there's some reason and at least you can, you can know that there is a test there for you. God has a good design in it. Fast forward about 10 verses to James 1.12. James says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. There's a, there it is again, steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, there's our word, test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to, to those who love him. In other words, through this test, the result was steadfast faith, and God wants you to get an A on that test. Here's another one, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is one of my favorite ones. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, it's temporary, it's not forever, it's a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So there is 
He's referring to a situation where uh, this period of time that, that he's referring to that we may go through. You have been grieved by various trials. So that, that means here's a purpose. Here's God's design in it. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we go through trials, that is what God wants to do with it. Whatever the trial is, that's what God wants to do with it. He wants to produce something in us. He wants to make us more like Christ. So here's the test of the Christian life. How do you hold up under trial? Do trials make you more like Jesus or not? And the more genuine your faith is, Peter says the tested genuineness of your faith. The more genuine your faith is, the stronger your faith is, the better you'll hold up under trial. God will use that trial to make your faith more genuine because that's his design, to purify it. Like the way they would refine gold, uh, they, would, they would take you know, the, pure, the pure gold that was mined and they would heat it up so that the impurities would rise to the top and scrape off and so that the, the, the fire refines the gold. That's what he's talking about here. It is, it is turning up the fire, turning up the heat in your life so that there would be a result that would happen that makes you more Christ-like. My son, Isaiah, he loves NBA gear. He loves the NBA. He's a big-time NBA fan, and so he really likes to have, like, you know, the jerseys and, you know, sp- he likes to have genuine NBA gear. And, of course, we found out over the years there's a lot of phony NBA gear. Um, and so there are... Like, there are websites that are totally dedicated to helping you detect whether or not that jersey you just bought is genuine or not. And it's, it's the tiny little details. It's like, it's like the stitching right around, you know, the edge of the sleeve. It could be, you know, what, what kind of fabric. It could be what label. And, the, you know, the counterfeit, counterfeits are really well done. Uh, but there are little things that can kind of give you an indicator of whether or not it's genuine. James and Peter tell us the seal of authenticity of the Christian life is how your faith holds up when you're going through a trial. Because the trial is meant to produce in you. It's meant to expose. It's a test. It's like the teacher says, okay, class, get your number two pencil. And uh, do y'all still do that? Do people still do that? Do you still use number two? Okay, thank you. Uh, That might have been an okay boomer moment. (laughs) I'm like, okay, uh, so that we still use number two lead pencils and you fill in the circle. Okay. When you go through a trial, just picture your good teacher saying, hey, student, my son, my daughter, I love you. Pick up your number two pencil, and here's, here's a test for you. And I want to see how your faith is doing. And by taking you through this test, I want to improve you. I want to draw you closer to Christ. That's what God does. He's, he, he loves us. He uses tests to expose our growth areas, but he's tender with us. Don't forget that. He's a good father. He's tender with us. It's, it's, not, it's not this stern father with his arms crossed looking like, oh, did you fail or not? You're a failure. You're, you, you failed the test. That's not our father's heart. The father's heart is like, okay, uh, you got a D on this one. 
<laughs> so you barely squeaked by. Um, let's give you some grace. Let's, let's, let's help you. Let, you will grow. Let's, let's refine you some more. He, he's a father that, that tests us. He, he does it in a, in a loving way to expose where we're vulnerable, to expose our weaknesses, our sins. And that time of testing will help us to lean more on Christ, to lean more on his perfection, to find our hope more fully in Christ. And so if you are going through these times of testing and you find yourself crying out to God in this test, you're like, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't make it on my own. I don't know where to go. I'm too weak. I need help. That sounds like you're passing the test. Because that's exactly what the test is supposed to produce in us. Not a, I can handle this. I am strong enough. That's not passing the test. Passing the test is... I need Jesus now more than ever. I need prayer now more than ever. So when the test is doing its work, it will draw you nearer to God and deeper, more, more, more profoundly into the gospel and your love for Christ. Let me give you three application points real quick. Very short. Number one, pray for God to keep you from experiencing Painful or difficult circumstances that would tempt you to sin. Lead us not into temptation. We can pray that. God tests your heart. They're painful. Spare me that. Jesus tells us we can ask our good teacher, please, Lord, do not lead me into these times of difficult testing. That's number one. Number two. When you do go through the necessary times of testing, pray for God to keep you from falling into sin. That's the deliver us from evil part. The more intense the trial, the more urgent the need for prayer. Because Satan is right there tempting you to sin. He wants to exploit your moment of weakness and vulnerability as an opportunity to pull you away from the Lord. And that is a possibility. So know that when you're going through a trial, that's a spiritual battle. God tests our faith not to weaken it, but to prove it. But Satan's design is to exploit it and destroy you in the process. So to put it another way, every trial is a spiritual battle. And through that trial, your faith will grow stronger or weaker. So pray, God, protect me, strengthen me, keep my feet from stumbling and falling into sin. Number three. When your faith is tested, pray for God to help you grow from it. Pray that God will give you the maximum benefit of that trial. Trials are prime opportunities for God to grow our character, for God to strengthen our faith, and we can pray for that. So when you go through a trial, while you're praying, protect me from sin, also pray, God, help me to benefit from this. You're doing something in my life, Lord. You're showing me something. Help me to see it. We have no strength in ourselves to live a life that honors God. We need him to give, give that to us. And we receive it and we rely on it through prayer. So we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now, Lord, I pray that you will bless our time of prayer together. Help us to fellowship with you and with one another this last time in prayer. Amen. All right, 10 minutes. Um, Jason will come up to lead us in communion in a few minutes. We are Christ the King Church. 
For more information about our church, please visit us at ctkcincy.com. 